Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and today I welcome Daniel Horwitz to the show. Now, he is here to talk about championship culture and how many life lessons can be taught using sports as a platform. Now, Daniel serves as a leadership consultant and assists sports teams and companies to help improve and enhance productivity, trust, communication, accountability, teamwork, diversity, and inclusion, culture, and so much more. So as a coach, accumulating knowledge on culture and disseminating that knowledge to players can have a long-lasting impact. As a player, you have the ability to maximize your leadership skills, as well as help promote a team environment that will bring out the best in everyone, and this is important, including yourself. So having a mind growth, a growth mindset, the ability to believe that you can learn and improve from every situation is important. It's important in building a championship culture. It's important in life and business. What, whatever it is that we're doing, we need to have this information. And I have his book in front of me. We're also going to chat about his new book, Help Them Up, 14 Principles to Educate, Energize, and Empower Your Team to Build a Championship Basketball Culture. And as I mentioned earlier, these principles absolutely apply to life and business. Daniel, welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you here. Hi, Denise. Yes, I'm so excited to have a conversation with you and really appreciate you having me on the show. Well, we had a terrific pre-interview. Sometimes I wish I really could record those because we get so we really get rocking and rolling, but I did take good notes. So I know what we're going to kind of follow up here, but well, I do want to talk about your book, but mostly I want you to share people, you know, the book because of the principles in it, which is why I want to talk about it. But before we get rocking and rolling, which I mentioned in the green room a minute ago, tell people a little bit about yourself so they understand who you are and why building a championship culture is so critical to you and your life. Yeah, so I grew up in uh, West Hartford, Connecticut, and I uh, always loved playing sports as a kid and had a, a dream of playing college basketball as a 10-year-old. And at that time, it was to play for the University of Connecticut and be on TV and, uh, you know, eventually go to the NBA. But uh, high school came and no coaches were uh, knocking, you know, knocking on the door to, to give me a full scholarship. So um, I found a way to uh, get myself recruited where I um, – reached out to over 150 colleges in the area um, in the surrounding states and uh, 10 of them replied three watched me play and one said yes and I ended up at Newberry College and was able to compete there for four years on the basketball team and had a really great experience and so many great people um, on campus as well and then that's kind of when my love of just being uh you know, a team player, because sometimes I would be a starting player and sometimes I would play zero minutes. So just finding ways that I could add value to my team and, um, you know, watching some of the really good teams that we'd play, they had such great team cultures. So uh, just learning as much as I could and being a sponge and uh, just excited to share that information with your listeners today. And see, I love that you didn't give up. I was just reading Hmm. an, an article. In fact, I posted it on my, well, it's scheduled to go on my social media for next week, I think, but talking about how you you create that kind of gentle nudge. You don't just one and done. You send off an email and think they're going to respond like, yeah, yeah, we want you. Come on. It doesn't happen that way. <laughs> Sounds like you did an awful lot of gentle nudging and good for you. Oh, well, thank you. I think persistence is, is key. And uh, I knew I really wanted to play. And um, I think if anybody wants to achieve anything in life, it's it's definitely worth reaching out more than once if it means that much to you. Oh, absolutely. And during our pre-interview, we really had a fun talk. I enjoyed it, just so you know. <laughs> Me too. But we were talking about, you know, you talk a lot about team 
And one of my very favorite people in the world, in fact, he's one of my very dearest friends, talks about TEAM, T-E-A-M, capital letters. He talks about it a lot. And that very dear friend is Jim Tunney. He's also known as the Dean of NFL Referees. Um, He's been in two Super Bowls, I think. I mean, he's very, very famous as number 32. And all I could say to you is, go find him. You've got to get to know Jim Tunney. Because you're both talking about teams. And look, I have a team. I had to build a team. I'm an introvert. That wasn't easy for me at all. I'm also an A-type personality, which means that I'll just do it myself. God darn it. That didn't work out well either. So team building, no matter what it is that you're doing in life or in business is so important. And I'm so glad to have you here to talk about team building and why you need to have that kind of culture yeah, look, I work from home. My office is in my home. I have my groceries delivered. I have to have a team. We all do, whether it's our our family, you know, our life partner, his, whatever it is, we've got to have people involved with us who can help us up and boost us. So mm. let's talk about all of that. Yeah, well, uh, I'd, I'd love to... Uh... You know, just talk about the title, which is what you just alluded to, but we need people to lift us up. So the book is titled Help Them Up, where you're going to help somebody up off the ground. Um, but it's also getting to build relationships with your your coworkers, your family, your friends. And, you know, maybe you check in with them and they don't respond in the, the way that they usually do. That's a great way to, to lift them up and, and check in and just try to be that support system uh, for them and, and make sure that they're okay and I think that's a really important thing to have in your life. Very much so. And, you know, we've been talking about COVID for a month now. When this first started back at the first of the year, the first quarter of the year, I did my best to not bring this into my podcast because I bought into the idea that it was going to be done. You know, it was going to be done soon and there Mm -hmm. was no point in really making a point of it. Now we can't avoid it. We cannot avoid it. And it's, Something you said just made me think of that because it's easy for us to get isolated, you know, unless we're already self-isolating, which I do anyway by choice and by nature. But for a lot of people, it's been very difficult. And boy, do they need a team right now. Mm-hmm. I I agree. And like, I think those check-ins are more important now than, than maybe they have been in the past in the very busy world. Very much so. So listen, I don't want to interrupt your chat too much because I think what you have to say is very important. So let's kind of talk. I was looking at the beginning of your book and you've got the 14 principles and I've got five that I wrote down. Um, Let's start with every player will feel safe, supported and cared for by coaches and teammates. What do you mean by that? Yeah, it's a great question. And thank you for taking some time to to read my book. Um, I I live my life with the quote, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And any coach that is in a leadership position, it's a privilege, not a right, to be able to coach young kids um, and be able to potentially have a a life-lasting impact. So coaches approach their everyday interactions with those kids and with that manner and that mindset. I think that the the impact they can have is so important. And unfortunately, you see a lot of coaches choosing to to maybe coach with tough love and and be more like drill sergeants and make the kids run. And and obviously, you know, in the, in the workforce as well, just being very tough. Um, but I think being vulnerable, especially as a leader, and opening up to your to your kids or to the people you work with. Um, obviously, in the right setting, you need to have a safe environment where that can happen and those conversations can can uh, occur. But I just think it's really important for coaches to understand um, coaches and, and just people, you know, in, in the workforce that, you know, it's it's a privilege to, to be, you know, on this earth and to, uh, to be able to do something special every single day um, with people that you hopefully care about. And I just think coaches need to have that in mind, um, you know, when they treat their when they talk to and treat their people in certain ways i agree with you and i love your mindset listen i saw a video last night that had me thinking of you and it was a it's a terrible video it really was this kids coach i mean he was these little kids had their 
cute little uniforms on. These were young children, maybe eight to ten years old. I don't know how to tell how old kids are, so it's yeah. just gonna go with me here. But I mean, they all look like kids to me. It's like okay, but this child was a small kid. I mean, he was small, you know, among his peers. And this coach walked over and slapped the crap out of him. Hit him mm. in the back of his helmet, and, and I think I couldn't watch it. I mean, I but I think he went back and hit him again, and this time knocked him down. And what bothered me, Daniel, was the comments. People were actually supporting this coach and saying, "Oh, he's a good guy. He was just having a bad day. He hit a child." Look, had I been mm. one of the parents, and it's a good thing I wasn't, that coach would have been on the ground. But people mm-hmm. were actually supporting him. It kind of seemed 50-50. People were going, oh, fire him. You know, no good guy walks up to a child and slaps the garbage out of him. What do you think? Yeah, well, it's funny. that Not funny, but the the, the video, um, you know, I saw that yesterday as well. You saw so that? Okay. You mentioned that because as I was giving my answer, that's the first thing that came to my head too. Um, so my everything I was saying was the exact opposite of, that and you know in some situations you can say uh well what we don't know the whole story like when you see that there it does not matter what what may or may not have been said or, or what we happened. saw the story and, we saw everything yeah. we needed to see this is not a in no way is that ever okay to put your hands on somebody and a, you know and a, a young child um i think that is is awful and um in no way should that be praised or embraced, which it sounds like, you know, with you looking at the comments, people, some people were okay with it. And, um, you know, maybe some people were, those older generation was coached in that way so they can resonate with that, but that's just not how things operate anymore. Um, I don't think they ever should, but especially in today's era when there's so many cameras and stuff, um, you know, that stuff is going to be right in front of the world if you do something like that. And, um, I feel for the poor kid, and I hope that we can just learn from it. And if a coach does feel like that's a, a behavior, that's okay. After seeing that, um, hopefully they, they choose to, to operate in a different way because that's, that's just awful. It really was. And you know what bothered me? I mean, the, he should not have touched that child in any way, shape, or form. But this was a very small child. He was probably the yeah. smallest among the team. And immediately my mind went to, oh, my God, this kid is probably bullied like crazy from everybody because Mm. he's the little guy. So that's where my brain went. And the coach, just from that standpoint, the coach, honestly, tar, feather, rail. I mean, you cannot support that. Mm. Um, And you talk about being the smallest. I actually had a very similar situation um, in football when I was a, a small player um, and one of the older kids, when we were waiting to, to run back to um, the locker room, came over and I wasn't in line, I guess, the way I needed to be and pushed me over. And it was very like out of nowhere. And, um, you know, I think uh, luckily I had an older brother that played football and he was friends with some of the uh, the kids that were on the team and they made sure to, to talk to that kid and take care of it. So that would never happen again. Um, but it's, I don't know. And that was a kid that was like a, a peer. So the the fact that people feel like physical, you know, being physical in that way is, is acceptable. I don't know where they learn that, but in no way um, is that okay. No, it's not. And we got a little bit off track, but it really bothered me. That is not team building at any no. level. I mean, that's just so destructive for that child, for the people who, I mean, it really bothered me. And, I'll be honest with you, I don't really care much for kids. I don't know much about them. I don't enjoy being around them. But all I wanted to do was pick this little boy up and say, you're going to be okay. One day, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to understand that there was a lesson here for you. I'm not sure what it is, but oh, my gosh. So that's just horrifying. And now this poor little boy is all over the Internet. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. It's just it's horrible. Kids, don't get me wrong. I just, I'm never around them, and I just don't know much about them other than mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I was pretty sure that all of us are sociopaths. I'm surprised we all survived. <laughs> I know, huh? <laughs> so, anyway, some of them didn't outgrow it, apparently. So 
and we were talking about, you know, how every player has to feel safe, supported, cared for. We're talking about life here. It's not just a basketball team or a football team or listen, when we have a team, whether it's one person that's working with you or in my case, I have multiple members of my team. My job is to make sure that they're doing okay, that I'm communicating with them in a way that they understand. We all communicate differently and that they know that I care and that if they've made a a boo-boo, I'm not going to holler and scream. We're going to work it out and get it fixed. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's really important. Um, one of the, the, the principles I talk about in the book is called huddle. And basically that's after a shooting foul in a basketball game. So if somebody was trying to shoot a shot and somebody pushed them um, and, and prevented them from scoring the basket or, or tried to, there's like a, quick five or 10 second transition between the, the whistle being blown and then the teams lining up on the foul line to shoot the two free throws. So um, a, a really good team is Hobart and uh, in division three for men's basketball. And after every shooting foul, they huddle up and it's kind of what you just talked about. Like maybe they just gave up um, a lot of points and they're losing by 10, but every single time they huddle up, they put their arms around each other. And they, if they're winning, they probably say, keep it up, guys. But if they're losing, they're like, we're good. Like, we've got to take this one play at a time, and this is how we're going to do it. And um, it's a very quick uh, interaction with one another, but they show mutual support. They show how connected they are, um, togetherness. And uh, those are all the things that need to, to happen in order to have that comeback or to sustain uh, the, the winning, whatever it may be. So I just think that time – um, when, when something's going well, when something needs to be addressed, if you do it in the right way and in a positive way uh, with solutions and not just complaining, a lot of really good things can happen. Absolutely. Listen, it's these days, I think in particular, now that we, are, we have so much stress in our lives, and I'm going to give you some advice, turn off the television. You don't need that garbage in, garbage out. Just turn it off. Use your critical thinking skills. But here's I'm noticing that people who are really in charge of their own mindset, they are going to do everything they can to make their team, their audience, whoever it is that's paying attention to them, feel valued. And some people are not, but I think that people are going, you know, maybe I've been doing things wrong. Maybe I've been leading my team in a way that, It's just not conducive to having them come to my office door and say, hey, Denise, can I talk with you? So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you can make sure that everybody is feeling valued, that you are listening to them. They do have a voice, and they're not just being bossed around. Look, you don't want to try to boss me, Daniel. I argue with my GPS in the car. She's not the boss of me. Seriously. So, and when you come across somebody like me that says, yeah, and my hands go on my hips, move, get out of the way. So, so let's talk about how you can kind of change your own mindset and say, listen, this is the way I've always done it, but it's time for me to actually listen and make sure that you understand that I actually do value you. So let's talk about how that can work out? What can we do? Give us some, you know, maybe tips or advice or, you know, if you have anything that you have had that you've worked with people to make this happen, share that. Yeah. So case studies is what I was trying to say. My brain just, I had a brain fart. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of just, you know, all my knowledge is just based on conversations I've had with very successful coaches that have competed at a very high level. Um, in my own experiences. So I think at the end of the day, everybody just wants to feel valued and feel heard. Um, and so if you have a, an open door policy with, within your team and you make it known that if anybody has anything, um, they can come to you and you guys will figure it out together. I think that's really important. Um, I think trust is built day to day. Um, you know, break it down second to second, minute to minute, hour to hour, and all the way up to months and years. Um, but that's how trust is built. And then in terms of the value piece, um, you know, people just want to know you care about them. So, um, you know, I know for, for some teams, like over, uh, you know, during COVID, 
their, their coaches uh, broke down their team into three groups and each coach would call each kid um, once, you know, that week, they'd have like their five or six kids to check in um, pretty much outside of basketball, just seeing how they're doing, what's new. Um, I think it's really important to ask open-ended questions as well, not especially for high school and college kids. Um, you know, they might not respond well if you just ask them a yes or no question, but uh, you know, even within you know your company, just having check-ins outside of work um, and just kind of changing the dialogue. To, you know, how how's, how are you doing? How's your family or your hobbies? And and then writing those things down. Um, if they if somebody's really passionate, like for me, if you wrote down that um, I have a twin brother named Ben and, and asked how he's doing, like I love when people ask me how he's doing, um, and uh, and that makes me feel really good and shows that they cared about what I was saying. Um, so I think it is really important to jot a few things down or if you have a good memory and you can remember those two or three really important things they talked about and then use those as conversation starters the next time you talk that's a really good way to make people feel valued and to make them feel heard that's a great idea i mean we're so busy our brains are so overwhelmed these days and honestly we have a most of us, all of us, have a really bad habit of, you know, just trying to do everything all at once. And then, of course, our brain goes, nope, I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> I have to, when I do that, when I'm just multitasking and I try not to because it's not smart, I do what I call the open refrigerator door syndrome. It's my meditation. I go open my refrigerator doors, French doors. I stick my torso in there and I just go blank because honestly the minute we all know this you open your refrigerator door you have no idea how you got there what you're doing why you're even <laughs> what you're looking for right so that's the only way I can meditate because I have a squirrel brain so when the door starts dinging and says you've been in here too long I go, oh okay so now I'm clean clear and I can go think about something else but what I'm hearing from you is that we need to take that moment, that moment in time, and actually use our empathy and listen and write these things down and make sure that because it's important to them, it's also important to you. So great idea. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think another one to go off of is touches. Uh, that's the second principle in the book. And there's an NBA study saying that the teams that touch more, and that's a, a high five, a fist bump, a pat on the back, they win more. And the players that touch more win more or are, are more successful, have better stats. Um, and that takes no talent at all. That's the best thing about the principles in my book is they require zero talent at all. It's just being aware of them and then being consistent uh, with executing them. And that's how you sustain success. Um, you know, is, is doing these things even when adversity arises. That's the most important part. Um, and it becomes a habit the more you do it. And so um, I think in regard to the touches right now, you might not be able to give somebody a high five or a fist bump. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe you could do an air high five um, from far away. But I think it's really important that your touches can be virtually. You know, it could be a text. It could be a, um, a FaceTime, a phone call, a Zoom. Phone call. But that's like yeah. a yeah, a virtual touch. And it, like, it doesn't need to be something very lengthy, um, but just to show that like in your busy day, you know, your 24 hours, you are choosing to check in with them um, and see how they're doing or, or see if they need help. You know, as leaders, um, I, I love servant leadership, which is where you take the pyramid um, with the CEO on the top and employees on the bottom and you flip it upside down. And the, the leader, the CEO is on the bottom and all your employees are, are up and, you know, on top. And basically you're establishing those roles. And sometimes those may be difficult conversations on a basketball team where, Hey, you're not going to be playing the whole game. Um, but you know, we need you to be the best defender for the 10 minutes that you play every game. Um, and people might not always be happy with that, but you're being honest with your expectations with their role on the team. Um, and then you ask them like, how can I help you excel in your role? So you, you've established the role, you've had that conversation, and then you do everything you can to help them um, be successful. And you check in and, and do um, everything you can to, so the team collectively benefits and can reach its full potential. So I think in regard to those touches, that's kind of what that does for people, you know, and, and athletes and just, um, you know, in the workplace. So 
touches also require follow-ups. It's not just a hey, high five. Look, I'm a total introvert. I make no bones about that. And I don't like to be touched. And people understand mm-hmm. that. They're like, hey, Denise, how are you doing? I live in the deep south. It's hard to avoid being touched. People down here are huggers. I'm like, oh, geez, oh, geez. You know, and I got used to it. But, I, <laughs> man, in the very beginning, I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> but now I'm okay with it to some degree. But touches, and, you know, I kind of interrupted you a moment ago to say phone calls. Those are so important. Sometimes it's so important just to hear a voice saying, hey, Daniel, thank you so much for being on my radio show. You know, it was really wonderful to have you here. Just as a, for instance, my brother is a, a double lung transplant patient, and he landed back in the hospital this, this past week with COVID, of all things. Mm, and yeah, me too. But he's doing okay. He said he, you know, he really doesn't have that much in the way of, of, you know, it's not bothering him that bad. But he did pass out. He couldn't get up, and they had to take him by ambulance. He knew that, and I was trying not to panic all over him. You know, my my role as a sister is to pick on my brother, right? That's what we're supposed mm-hmm. to do. So if I were to get too mushy with him, he would start to worry about me. So bless his heart. This is a guy who's got a cannula in his nose. He's having a hard time breathing. He texted me with a voice message. He's never done that before. Mm-hmm. But he knew that I needed to hear his voice, and I didn't want to call him because he's trying to breathe. So God bless him. Mm-hmm. He used his empathy, and he used his touch and now I could hear his voice and hear that he actually sounded pretty darn good. So those touches are so important, however you're going to do them. But I guess my point here is they can't be a one and done. You can't just go, oh, good to hear it. Bye. You have to stay in yeah. touch, don't you? Yeah. Well, one, that's you know, it's obviously a very special bond that you guys have. And he knew that you were worried about him. Um, you know, and uh, he made sure that he let you know that he was okay. So that's, um, you know, that's a, that's a great teammate, you know, a great family member as well. Um, but, yeah, what, what you're getting at I think is just sustained success. Like I think if you you made sure you reached out to your team that week, maybe you'd have a really good week. That could be like the best week you guys have had. Oh, you know, Denise really cares about us. She's She offered to help me in any way I can. I feel confident. I feel rejuvenated. I feel empowered, whatever it may be. Like this, I'm going to like really give everything I have. And then the next week, they, you know, they don't hear from you. The week after that, they don't hear from you. Um, or very minimal, you know, maybe not in the same way that they had that first week. Then I think your results and things are going to go down. So uh, the one and done is not a recipe for sustained success. And uh, I think it's great that you mentioned that. And anybody that wants to try to implement, you know, some of these things that we're discussing, I think it, it takes, you know, some courage to do it because, like you said, Sometimes people are just stuck in their ways and maybe there is and are better ways to do things. And I think it's worth a try because I don't think any negative effects will really happen from you trying to just show your team that you really care about them. Exactly. And, you know, we're living our own lives as best as we can and we're not really paying attention to what our team members are doing unless we are. So, I mean, and I love what you said about your brother, you know, people checking seeing how your brother is. Listen, I think it's really important, particularly now when, you know, life is so disrupted if you choose to allow it to be that disrupted. But I think it's so important to say thank you. And so many people just, we assume that you know we appreciate you, we value you. And, you know, we don't just actually say or write the words thank you. And that's something that I've had to train myself to do. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, tell people how much you really, really appreciate them. So I think that's a big part of leadership skills, if you will, is paying attention and using your empathy and saying thank you. Yeah, I love that. And I think uh, the way I communicate that in the book is I call it point to the passer. And so, you know, in the, the sports context, it would be if I have the ball and dribbling the ball and I get by the, the player guarding me, and I give you a great pass, Denise, and you make the shot, instead of you running down and, you know, a lot of people now want to point, you know, say me, 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 and, like, I made the shot, but I'm the one that helps you get the open shot. So what can happen in the sport context is for uh, you to point at me and say, good pass, Dan, 
Um, and sometimes, you know, and I'd point back to you, like, good shots in these. And that's just, like, a way to include everybody in, the, in sharing the credit um, and the success. And I actually did a Zoom call with a team uh, in Wisconsin to talk about some of the principles, principles in my book and exactly what you just said. He said, you know, can you talk about pointing to the passer because I feel like our team doesn't really do that, and I just want them to basically say thank you. Like, you know, just say thank you to the player for making a really good pass, you know, meet, get their teammate open. And that meant, you know, a lot to me that, that he felt like that was needed for his team. And the coolest thing happened, the, the two days after that call, they had their first game the night before that, and he gave me a call. He said, hey, Dan, um, I cut up some clips from the game, and, you know, uh, my son made a three, and he pointed to his teammate that made the pass. And that was something that they hadn't done uh, previously. So the fact that that call had an impact on them and then the coach was willing to, to call me and share his excitement, I thought that was awesome. So um, I think it, it says a lot about a person when, you know, a lot of the attention's on, on you for doing something well and people are clapping or celebrating you and you include like, no, like Denise really helped me, um, you know, with that and, and Ben helped me to, to get that done. So to include more people in the success, especially when it's deserved, uh, I think it's a very uh, admirable trait for leaders to have. It is. And when you do that, and you may not be thinking about it at the time, but when you do that, you are now showing other people who you are, really who mm. you are. I mean, when you're the guy that runs down to the end zone and you do your silly little dance down there, <laughs> I, I'm not going to like you. I'm just not because I find instantly I just identified you as a selfish idiot. But if you yeah. do what your son did or his son did, all of a sudden I'm finding you pretty interesting. Don't you find that hmm. to be the truth? Yeah, I do. And I think it, it motivates, like, you know, in the football context, I love Peyton Manning. Uh, he was a Colts quarterback and um, I know he had treated his linemen very well. Um, so every time that the a football team scores a touchdown, who are the, who are the guys that are saving the quarterback from getting knocked over um, and tackled very hard? It's the linemen. Um, so I know some quarterbacks will bring their linemen out to a very steak dinner or they just build really good relationships because if, if, if you make one of those guys upset at you, they might let a, you know, a 6'5", 300-pound guy run and tackle you. Uh, you know, I don't think that's the case, but if these guys protecting you uh, really believe in you and know that you believe in them and that you guys are working together, uh, you know, I think that's a great thing. So when somebody scores a touchdown, a lot of times you'll see a quarterback run up to one of the linemen and they'll pick them up and give them a hug because that's going to, that's going to build that habit of them wanting to protect you and help the team in any way they can. And I think that just builds a great culture and relationships um, among everybody on the team. It does. And the thing is, if you have managed to somehow really alienate the people that protect you and keep you safe, whatever it is that you're doing, it's your own fault. Or as we say it in the deep south, that's your own damn fault. I mean, you did it. (laughs) So how do you fix it, though? I mean, if you have done this, you know, and not really paying any attention to it, not using your common sense or your empathy, but once you finally get a sense that, you know what, I have not been the best at whatever it is that I'm doing, how do you fix it? Do you pick up the phone and say, oh, man, I am so sorry. I was kind of a jerk during that. What do you do? What do you tell people to do? Or advise yeah. that they do rather. Well, it, it takes a lot of courage to to do something like that and be self aware and do reflection um, on the way you've done things. I think self reflection for everybody um, is really important. And um, I think if a if a leader, um, a boss, whatever it may be, wants to try to implement some of these things, I think having a very open and honest conversation with your team. If there's, you know, it's a, a big team doing it through a, a Zoom call and um, just opening up, just saying, hey, you know, I've been doing a lot of a lot of thinking and, um, you know, listen to some, some great podcasts and, uh, and I just have some ideas I want to try to try to incorporate and just wanted to run them by you guys and see what you think. Um, and so, you know, I think in the past we've done things like this, um, but I think this will be a more efficient and effective way for us to get our work done. And I think you guys will probably experience more joy in your day to day. If uh, we kind of create this culture that I, that I'm hoping that we can, and it's not an easy conversation to have, but I think your people 
um, that you're in charge of or work with will really um, admire you for trying to improve. And nobody's perfect. Um, it's, it's a journey of growth for our whole life. That's, I'm a lifelong learner. And um, I know you are, Denise, and the guests you bring on because the people you want to learn from, um, you know, and we learn from you as well. Um, so I just think having that difficult conversation and being vulnerable is okay. Um, it's not a weakness. I see it as a strength because you know that it's going to help the team be better than it was. And that, that's a, to me, is a very important thing to do. So um, I know for a story I have is a, a dad of a kid I coached, he sent me a text saying, hey, just wanted to let you know we incorporated the accountability circle from your book to our family. Um, and the accountability circle in, in brief is just a time where, you know, for in a sports context, but in, in any team, you just meet in a circle so you can make eye contact with everyone. And you have a very open dialogue of the performance of that day. And so, it, it's like you said, it can't be a one and done thing. It's got to be something that is you do it very consistently, probably every single day, um, even if it's only for five or ten minutes. And you just have a very honest conversation. Uh, about the performance and then if you need to hold somebody accountable in a respectful way that is the time and place to do it you're not going to go home and talk badly about an, you know an employee or or a teammate you're just gonna get it out in the air in a respectful way like i mentioned um with a like solution-based outcome not just like oh you're bad or you didn't you're not working hard enough like this is specifically what, you, what we need you to do better um and, it, and he's going to be doing that you know with his family so his wife and his two kids and then just so I think it creates an, an opportunity for them to all communicate um, in, a, in a way that's going to benefit the family and, um, and help them out. So that's my uh, suggestion if anybody wanted to try to incorporate it um, into their everyday life. Thank you. And it's when we embark on self-growth and trying to make sure that we are the best we can be, it changes how people perceive you. It changes how you perceive yourself. It changes how you you behave. And I think these are good things. Yeah. I think it's it's not always easy to do. And it, it does no. take, you know, it takes a lot of time, too. Um, but I think it is, uh, it's worth the investment. It is. And if you don't know who you are, God bless you. Okay, we've got... We're just chatting up a storm. I'm so sorry I keep interrupting you, but I find your whole concept about this book. (laughs) I mean, I find all of this fascinating. So if I'm talking too much, just say, Denise, time out. Let me talk. But anyway, we've got 14. I may listen. I may not. I'm not real good at listening. (laughs) But but you've got 14 principles, and I'm looking at the book. I'm at principle three, positive talk. So if we've got time, let's go through these very quickly because they are important. So talk about positive talk. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I enjoy every time that you you share something. You know, I call them nuggets, um, you know, just words of wisdom and things that we can, you know, live by or inspire us. So. Um, definitely enjoy hearing your insights uh, throughout the conversation. So don't feel free to, uh, you know, I know you, you do speak up when you have something to say, which is awesome. Um, I don't, well, I warned pos- you, remember, I don't have any filters, <laughs> so I warn everybody. I don't have no. a single one. Well, it's, it's good. And I'm, I'm, you know, I, I enjoy it. And uh, going off the principle, you just mentioned positive talk. So, uh, there's energy vampires is kind of how I like to talk about it. And, you know, those are people that walk into a room and they just kind of just, you know, suck the energy out of the room and nobody really enjoys being around those people. Um, and then there are people that walk in the room and, you know, if maybe people kind of sit up in their seat a little bit, they get a smile on their face and they know that that interaction with that person is going to be a positive one and one that's going to make them feel good after talking to them. And, um, I think we can all control that. You know, there's a lot of negativity in the world, like you said, on social media, on TV, um, you know, just going on, things going on with our family and friends. Um, But I think you have the choice. I know you have the choice every single day to to bring a positive attitude. And so positive talk in the the sport context is uh, just in a game or before the game starts, like, here we go, like, like you got this, or somebody misses a shot and you just say, like, keep going, you'll hit, you'll make the next one. It's okay. Um, and just being very, very positive uh, and uh, empowering your team is really important. So in the workplace, 
Um, it's the same type of thing where we're just like, hey, we're going to have a good day today. You know, sometimes you have to talk things into existence. And then the other thing with positive talk is like flooding your environment. A lot of teams will pick their, their core values um, and, and write them on the wall or in their locker room. So I think in a workplace, in your office, like I have a sign behind me that says dreams don't work unless you do. And as you know, so I obviously have some, you know, dreams and, and a lot of that is based on having a positive impact on other people's lives. So I try to look at that and I look at pictures of my family and friends and they motivate me uh, to be the best I can be. So in terms of positive talk, those are a few ways uh, that I would explain it. Perfect. You know what I do? I write things on my bathroom mirror. Yes. Seriously. I do. I use, and my, when I'm in the shower, some of my best ideas come from the shower. So I bought some uh, from Amazon, of course, I bought some uh, bathtub crayons. And when I'm in there and I'm getting all these wonderful nuggets that just pop into my head from, I don't know where they're coming from, subconscious spirit angels. I don't know because they're brilliant. (laughs) And I will, they're not me. It's not me doing it. So I will I'll grab my crayons and I will scribble all over my bathroom uh, shower stall. And when I'm done, I take a picture after the, you know, after it dries out enough because I take my, you can steam broccoli in my bathroom when I take a shower. It's hot. So I have to wait for all that, the mist to go away and I'll take pictures of it. Then I clean it off and I've got all of these wonderful thoughts and ideas that, and they're they're all positive, and they're all moving me forward. So write them down. I think that's a terrific idea. So now let's go to principle four, high five line. You have a, a quote here from Fran Tarkenton. If it's not fun, you're not doing it right, and I agree with that. So let's talk about the high five line because I have no idea what that is. Yeah, I love the high five line. It's, uh, for me, um I, I really enjoy learning from from everyone that is, you know, any everyone and anyone that will speak with me. Um, and I did a lot of my research for the book in person. Uh, and so uh, I went to the Ivy League basketball tournament and volunteered there. And Yale University um, is about an hour from my house, and I've worked their camp a lot. And so I know their coaching staff well, and their head coach, Coach Jones, wrote a testimonial for my book. Um, which was very generous of him. And he is such a great leader, such a charismatic person. And uh, so, it, you know, the fact that they have the high five line, I was like, I need to write about this. I need to share it with others. And um, if, you, if you don't look, um, it, will, it will pass by very quickly. So what it looks like in the basketball context is about two minutes before the game starts, players will jog off the court and they're in a single file line and they'll give a high five or a fist bump to the coaching staff who's standing at half court. So they're running back oh. to their bench. And, yeah. And so when they get to the end of the bench, um, that player that was in, in front turns around and he'll give that teammate right behind him some kind of handshake. A lot of them will do a high five into a, a hug. And uh, a lot of them, and then he'll, the person in front will move on to the second person. And that person that he just gave that high five to before that, um, turned around, turns around and gives that next person a high five. So I know it's a little confusing and it was definitely difficult, hardest chapter to write, trying to explain it. So I have a little diagram in there um, as well. But basically it's just a quick embrace with a teammate where they can do a cool creative handshake and it just builds that and that chemistry. And, you know, like the quote you just said, like having fun, like they're all smiling. They're, some of them do dance moves. And so I think everybody can kind of incorporate that in some way, um, you know, with their people and just celebrating, like, here we go, like a lot of positive energy and, and like I said, laughs and smiles. And then it, it, obviously they're focused and they're going to go off. It's basically to get them in the mindset of like, we're having fun. We're with our family, our brothers, our sisters, whatever it may be. And now we're going to go out and we're going to compete and give it everything we have on the court or um, whatever, you know, business thing you need to get done. And so I think it's a very small detail that they do. Um, the number one men's team for Division Three basketball, Swarthmore College, they do it as well. So the two of the, the you know very successful basketball programs are doing it, and I don't think it, it like I said, it takes no talent at all. It's a fun way for the kids um, to to participate in, and uh, I really do enjoy the high five line. And hopefully, uh, we'll get some emails or calls about coaches incorporating it. No kidding, and it's a great way to set 
your motivation. Set what you are going to have happen. You may go on to lose, you know, if it's a basketball game or if it's a team, you know, maybe something went wrong down the line and you've got to go back and fix it. But you're re you're presetting, I guess, an attitude, which I I enjoy that. I think that's a terrific idea. Yeah, I think it's a good way to put it, presetting an attitude. Yeah, and and like you, you know, not everybody's gonna have a great attitude before the game. Um, but that I think you know, knowing that you're about to participate in something like that because it's a habit and you do it every time, I think it just it can help get somebody out of that little funk they might be in and be like, all right, my teammates are bringing the energy today. And then tomorrow, maybe you're the one bringing the energy and, and getting everybody else to get pumped up. So you really have to rely on your team to, to get that mindset. Okay, business leaders, pay attention. Okay, so let's move on to principle. It's important. Principle number five, the pregame attitude, which is kind of what we were talking about just now. Yeah, so um, for, uh, it's basically just having the mindset of gratitude um, and approaching things like that. So for me, you know, and I, I was always felt like I was playing for all the, the coaches that had coached me before. And I, I think I developed this when I was in college. Um, and just knowing that when the second I won, it's, it's a, you know, again, a privilege, not a right to be able to play college basketball and to be physically able to play. Um, so I, I would think about that before the game during the national anthem. And I would also think about, you know, some people in my life that, uh, um, you know, that have, that have passed away and that I was playing for them and they gave me strength as well. So I think having that, that mindset of, I'm going to, I'm going to go out here and give it my best effort and you may win, you may lose, but it's bigger than basketball. And, uh, and I think when you do that, it humbles you and, and grounds you and, and that way you can go out and you can play. Um, and also I think it takes a little bit of pressure off of yourself because, you know, you, you know that you have the support, of so many people and they want to see, they want to see you succeed, but they will be there if you don't. And I think that's what the pre pregame gratitude does for um, everybody that does it. That makes perfect sense to me. Okay. So I wanted to move on. We've only got about 12 minutes. I am so sorry. I may have to have you come back. We'll see how far we can get with this. And of course, you know, I do this on the radio, so you can't tell me no, just, just so you know. Okay. I'm very subtle. So, so principle number six is the huddle. And there's a quote here that I love. Bad teams, no one leads. Average teams, coaches lead. But elite teams, players lead. P.J. Fleck. Now, I have to tell you, this really resonated for me because, like I said earlier, I'm an A-type personality. I don't ask my team to do something that I actually don't know how to do myself or I'm at least conversant mm. enough with to ask the proper questions and give the proper instructions. It took me a while, longer than I like to admit even to myself, to say, you know, hey, Denise, you need to hire people who are better than you are. And I do. Mm. I make it a point when you because know, I have a lot of moving parts in my business. And I will get somebody who is an expert on – MailChimp or whatever. I'm just going to throw stuff out there, but I can do it, but I'm darned if I want to do it, some of it. Mm. So I always find people who are very, very dedicated to knowing what it is that they're doing. They're better than I am. And then I ask them to help me. What ideas do you have? How can we make this better? It works. It took me a long time. I'm embarrassed. It took me way longer than it should have. So tell us about the huddle. Yeah, well, I think that's awesome that you that you got to that point. I think some people may never get to that point where they want to hire somebody that's better than them. Um, and, you know, there's that saying, never be the smartest person in the room. Um, and like you said, you've, you're at ground level and you've done everything that you, you're asking these people to do. But, you know, you're at a point in your career where you can hire somebody to do it. You can learn from them, um, you know, and they can learn from you. And, and that's just the best way for everybody to elevate their own strengths. Um, and weaknesses so that's it's really good um, in terms of the huddle I think it is it's basically a time you know going off of your example like for MailChimp you've done it but you don't know maybe the most efficient or effective way to do it or there's more to it that you just don't know so sitting in a, a you know in a, in a meeting or on a phone call and just asking questions um, I think is really important in regard to um, you know being a great leader 
Uh, and then the huddle is also when things are going wrong. Like, hey, yeah, you know, this isn't working. You know, in the, in the sport context, like we're running this defense and the other team keeps scoring. So obviously we either have to change it or modify it because it's not. So a huddle is that quick uh, meeting, but it, it could be a lengthier one. And it's not a time to point fingers. That's a really important thing to mention. Like, it's not anybody's single fault. Like, may it, it could, could it be somebody's fault? Probably. Um, or more than one person. But that's not the point of the meeting. That's not going to help um, be a solution-focused type of conversation. It's just a time where people are going to complain. So um, I think it's important for people to kind of filter themselves, and we all have our own thoughts. But the whole point of the huddle is to come together and find the best way to either encourage to keep moving forward or to have a, a conversation about how we can get better. Excellent. And I did kind of know what that one meant. I, you know, I could follow up with that one. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know much about sports, and it's strange because one of my dearest friends is a very famous sports person, but I just don't know much about sports. <laughs> He's been trying for 10 years or better to explain the difference between a, a pass, <laughs> pass back and a, I can't remember what it was. There's two different things. Um, and bless his heart, he keeps trying to explain it. And I keep going, mm-hmm, okay, <laughs> got it. <laughs> and he just does it to, to you know, toy with me now because he knows I'm never going to understand it. Touchdown and touchback. I still don't know what those mean. <laughs> Shame uh, on me. Yeah. I, I know, I know. I'm a girl. It's not <laughs> I'm just going to go with that. You're, um, you're trying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's go to principle eight, help them up, which of course is a big part of the book. It's part of the title. Go, because I know you've got a lot to talk about there. Yeah. So on the actual uh, cover design of the book, um, which was done by um, a very good graphic designer, it's a, there's a picture of uh, two, a male on the top of the mountain. They're climbing up it. There's a woman in the middle and then another male on the bottom. And I like to view it as my uh, twin brother, Ben. Um, that one's a little bit taller and looks a little bit uh, more muscular. So I say that's him. And then the one in the middle is my sister because uh, she loves hiking and uh, and doing that. So I like to think of her, that being her and me on the bottom. And it's all of them holding hands, pulling each other up. And the, the title, Help Them Up, uh, it's, it's called Help Them Up because – um, I didn't want it to just appeal to, to male or female. So usually in a game, it could be it would, somebody would yell, help him up. And that's when somebody gets knocked over on the ground. Um, so it's, it appeals obviously to, to boys, girls, uh, men and women. And uh, my twin brother, he is the best teammate that I've ever had. And I know it's biased because um, we shared the womb and, uh, <laughs> and, and stuff like that. But he, uh, he would always make sure that he was the first person to help up a teammate when they fell on the ground. And he could be all the way at the other end of the court, but he would run over and help them up. And uh, I think the message that sends to somebody is that I have your back. Uh, I want to check in on you and I care about you. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep going and, and thank you for sacrificing your body in this game uh, to help our team be successful. And um, I think that that message and that mentality also goes into our everyday life and not just helping somebody up off the ground, uh, but lifting their spirits uh, as well. And I think it goes back to the, the intentional piece of learning your people and developing those strong relationships that are built, you know, day to day and, and month by month. And when you do that, you really build a team and a culture that cares about each other and that is willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that everybody is having an enjoyable experience. Um, and to me, joy is about finding uh, appreciation for the day-to-day where uh, happiness, I think, is based on a result. Like, yes, we met our deadline, or no, we didn't, and now we're sad. Or joy is like we have the opportunity to do something great with this day that we were given, and we're going to keep approaching every day like that and getting to do with people that we care about. Exactly. And listen, I can attest to this as part of team building because once I let my – ego go sit in the corner because I had to have a big chat with myself you know sit down Denise <laughs> you're not really the boss here even though I was and am but my point for saying that is that once I got that out of the way and I started hiring people that are better than I am who are very very good at what they do and know that they can come to me and say Denise I know you want it done this way but how about if we try this 
I have to tell you, and I'm very proud of this. I'm my team is completely virtual. I have never physically met any one of them. A lot of them, several of them, have been with me a decade or better. So wow. something's working. And I'm very proud of that. And it's exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so, and I just needed to give a shout out to my team. Sorry about that. But I'm so no, proud of No, I, I love that. I love it. So principle nine, touch five. Let's, and the, the quote that you start out here, if it's important to you, you will find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. Ryan Blair, God, we all know that. So touch five, what is that? Yeah, a touch five is, in the basketball context, when somebody is shooting a free throw after they were fouled, they shoot at one shot, and then the the, the, re- the referee gets their ball, and there's like a, probably four or five seconds in between that first shot that are within the paint, which is there's a three-point line. Um, the players that are within within it, they can step over to the free throw shooter and their teammate and give them a high five and and use that positive talk that we talked about to say, oh, nice shot, like, like you got this, or you'll make the next one, or come on, Denise, like I believe in you, you got it. Just something very quick, but something to instill their confidence. And then the two players that are not within the three-point line, they run over and give their teammate a high five or a pat on the back and do the same exact thing. So you just had four of your teammates run over to you, whether you were successful or not, making that first shot that believe in you and that are uh, instilling confidence that you can make the next one. And then you have a bench full of teammates where they're going to be cheering you on and, and believing in you to make that shot as well. Um, and, you know, the best teams don't care who gets the credit. They just want the team to be successful. And I think that's what the touch five does for teams. And again, you're kind of presetting a mindset that is very empowering. Absolutely. I love that word, empowers. It's so important. Yeah, it, it really is. Listen, I'm looking at my, we've got about three minutes, and I just realized that I had to, I had a guest reschedule for, I believe, the 18th. Would you come back on the 18th? Because I have an open slot, and I was actually just getting ready to embark on a hunt for a replacement guest. On the 18th. I think yeah. uh, that would work for me. Well, we'll talk about it after the show. But anyway, if I can't get you back then, we'll get you back after the new year. But that slot is available, I believe. It's the 18th. I hope I'm not lying to you. But I do have an open slot in December. So I wouldn't deliberately lie to you. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. So we've got about two more minutes. I'm going to stop at Principle 9 because these principles are so, so important. So what I would like to do in the next couple of minutes is have you share with our audience anything that you think is really, really important that they need to know before I let you go and, and we reschedule. Yeah. Well, this is, no, it's been a great phone call. I think we've both added uh, you know, a lot of insight on how to, to build and develop a, you know, a team and your own leadership as well as the, the leadership within your team. I think for me, just approaching every day with, with gratitude and letting people know in your life that you care about them because, uh, you know, as we all know, time is so precious. And um, I think we're, we just need to do our best to, to make the most of every single day and, you know, try to elevate ourselves, but also everybody around us. Because I don't think at the end of the day, anybody is really going to remember somebody's record and how many games they won. Um, or, you know, how many, uh, you know, business sales they made or something like that, you know, when everything's said and done, I think they're going to remember the impact that you had on the lives of others. And I think that's what life is all about. Exactly. How you treat people is so, so important. And 60 seconds. Wow. A lot of what we have been talking about here is ego. You know, ego is fine and dandy if you have a healthy ego. And I think I do. But I've also been known to step my foot into a big old puddle of goo because my ego is like, hey, Denise, let's go do this. Oh, geez. (laughs) So we've been talking, you know, ego is great, but not at the expense of others, which is really what I'm hearing from you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. They they call it uh, egoless uh, basketball or just being egoless. And, you know, obviously you can be confident, but you can do it in a way where you're respectful to everyone. Exactly. Daniel, where can people find you? 
Yeah, uh, I love to connect um, on Twitter, Dan Horowitz1, D-A-N-H-O-R-W-I-T-Z, and the number one. Um, and then my email is contactdanhorowitz at gmail.com. Excellent. Daniel, thank you for spending time with me. It's been wonderful speaking with you, and I have really enjoyed it. And I thank you for coming back to finish it up. I had no idea we were going to go so long, but it's a terrific topic, and I'm so glad that you were here to share it with our audience. So before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us in iTunes and really anywhere else you consume your business podcasts. I found out recently that you can find your partner in Success Radio on Amazon Prime in the the music uh, podcast category. I had no idea. So just look for your partner in Success Radio and take us along on your success journey. Thank you, Daniel. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.